Hey everybody, welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. My name is Gabe Essel. I'm here with my co-hosts Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Awesome. Excellent. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. Well, folks, it's 1996 tonight, and you, you, you ought to know that Alanis Morissette CD isn't going to leave your girlfriend's JVC boombox. Morissette's Jagged Little Pill will sit atop the Billboard charts for a total of 10 weeks, trading in and out of the top spot with other female-led outfits like the Fugees, No Doubt, and Bush. Most importantly, for us at least, 1996 saw the release of groundbreaking albums by Pearl Jam, The Black Crows, and Beck, whose album Odelay will provide a plethora of videos destined for heavy rotation on the freshly launched MTV2. Seems just like yesterday. Unfortunately, these are dark times for Major League Baseball. The evil empire in New York has been fully rebuilt, led not only by insufferable veterans like Paul O'Neill and Wade Boggs, trader, but also by the nouveau future stalwarts Andy Pettit and eventual Rookie of the Year, Derek Jeter. Whatever happened to that guy? Anyway, yeah. this is also the dawn of the super steroid era with video game numbers. 17 players, that's right, 17 will hit 40 or more home runs. And nearly 50 players will hit 300 or better. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. It was a year of power. <clears throat> power with an asterisk. Frozen ropes. Uh, confessed yeah. juicer Ken Caminetti will win the NL MVP, and Mark McGuire will set a new career high with 52 home runs, a mere prelude to his eventual record-breaking 1998 campaign. No bar Garcia Pera. Vlad Guerrero and Andrew Jones will all make their debuts, while Ozzie Smith, Andre Dawson, and the immortal Rob Deere will see their last action between the baselines. Opening day, sadly, uh, will get off to a tragic start as home plate umpire John McSherry will collapse on the field seven pitches into the traditional first game of the season hosted by the Cincinnati Reds. McSherry, a National League umpire for 25 seasons, will die of a heart attack, and the full slate of opening day games will be postponed. Um, prior to you mentioning that, I had totally forgotten about that, but um, it's pretty frightening to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah, scary yeah. stuff, just awful. Yeah. Um, like, I guess he had previously had a couple episodes on field where he'd gotten faint at games. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't know if he just never had it checked out or nothing ever showed up on tests. And, yeah, right. just awful. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's such an such an ominous start to the to that baseball season. And apparently, Marge shot like said really Marge shot sort of things after it happened, <laughs> where she was kind of yeah. disappointed that they couldn't play the game. You know, the traditional uh, opening opening game at at the Reds Riverfront Stadium, and and I guess that she sent flowers, but it looked like the flowers were from her own office like she regifted the flowers <laughs> classic, classic shot bar. stuff huh. yeah yeah but that's that, no that's i mean that's off it's such a such a tragic thing to happen opening day it know? is yeah oh. any to any to any game but uh yeah particularly opening day just kind of casting the shadow over the season um but uh yeah you know it's um talking about music in 1996 uh to jump to that for just uh, just a second um you know for me i was on a strict diet of classic rock that year yeah uh, yeah so might like, as well yeah yeah 
So when 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 you guys were and we're going to talk about music too um, tonight, it's baseball and music in 1996. But for me, it was it was difficult to 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 find albums I was into then, much like we did in our last episode for 1986, because I was listening to so much older music. You know, that was like right around the time I first started getting into like all the prog bands, like Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Around '96, like my junior year of high school. So, like, the only albums I could come up with that I was listening to then that actually came out in 1996 were No Code by Pearl Jam and then Down on the Upside by Soundgarden. Like, and then well, the Crows. The Crows. Yeah, the Crows. You know, yeah, I I bought Amorica when it came out, but I didn't buy Three Snakes when it came out. It's not that, like, I... Uh, you know what I mean? I wasn't into yeah. them. It's just I didn't really start to get into them until the following year, like like right when I started college. Yeah, I, I, so. I bought it when it came out, and I listened. That thing stuck in my CD player for the rest of that summer. It came out in July, and and cool. uh, uh, yeah, it, it did. It didn't leave my car CD player uh, for yeah. the next couple months. Yeah, yeah. I, on the opposite, I had an easier time finding stuff then than I did. Of like going back and finding stuff that I appreciate now from then that I didn't know. Um, Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. I bought the day it came out. Um, the Metallica Load. I had a friend. Uh, shout out to my buddy Daryl. He was a huge Metallica fan, so I heard Load the day it came out. And while him as a hardcore Metallica fan was kind of depressed or not as happy with it, I liked it. I thought Load was a pretty good record. It's but divisive. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's maybe more a little more accessible to some people than some of their earlier records. I guess is why some of the hardcore fans didn't didn't like it. Um, but I, I I listened to Hero of the Day and rocked it all the time back then. And um, the one album like in my high school in Chatham, Illinois, a small town, it was sublime everybody had that sublime record uh-huh. it was like the hype of him i he passed away before it came out so it was yeah, like he passed away that year i think oh, wow. it, was, yeah. it was in march i think he passed yeah. away in march and that record didn't come out until like uh, later in the year i know by quite a bit and so were they known before that album Oh yeah, they had been known around the Long Beach area in the California and like ska and punk scene for a few years. What they have announced to freedom. Oh, uh, Central Illinois. I'm sure there was a few people, maybe because there were always not- a few people that were like into punk and into that scene. But like, I I was not friends with them. They, you know what I mean? It, it seemed like as soon as that self title one dropped, everybody had it. Everybody. Yeah, it was big. And um. Another album that I, of course, that Soundgarden that Gabe mentioned—that's a great record and underrated record. Of yeah. Theirs. Oh, well, down and, on the upside is. Yeah, it's I, phenomenal. I, it's personally my favorite record of theirs, but you know that's for another episode. Um, a band that I knew about then that not everybody did, and how I knew about them was I had a friend uh, named Norm out in Arizona. He lived in Tempe, and he was like, he would come back on the summers, and he came back one summer, and he was like there's this band you should hear them they're called the refreshments and he put in their album called fizzy fuzzy big and buzzy and it's got their uh i guess if you want to say like big hit it was called banditos 
And uh, it's great. They later went on to become Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Okay. And um, those were the records I, I appreciated then. Like, yeah. other than that, I, like, looking at the list of popular albums from then, it was like, man, I didn't listen to a lot of music <laughs> that came out then. Oh, I was, it was all older stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and for me, the biggest thing to happen in 1996, like, you know, I didn't think of this, like, until today, because we were kind of focused on, like, new music that came out this that year for this episode. Kiss putting back on the makeup was, I mean, the biggest oh, thing huge. to happen in 1996 huge. for me, yeah. you know? I Absolutely. mean... If you yeah. were in classic rock, that was like that, and like earlier in the years, David Lee Roth being seen with Van Halen. Uh, it was yeah. like, yeah, like the, that at the moment, Video Music Awards. At the, at the, yeah, that moment at the Music Awards, and then Kiss putting on the makeup. It was like, oh my God, rock could rise again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I really wish that Dave would have happened then because I think like it would have been better than the one that happened yeah, it was, 10, 11 years later. You yeah, know what it I was mean? Weird, yeah, weird circumstances. Um, that like he was kind of connected with the project, I guess, for a while. But they recorded it, that one song, "Me Wise Magic," yeah. on the um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was it. like, yeah, Gary Sharon's gonna sing, right? <laughs> No, no, hating on Gary Sharon. I, I, I dig some extreme. I'm down. Yeah, it's just you know I mean, that album is awful, unfortunately, with him. Um, yeah, Jonathan, what about you? You know, I, I happened to catch. Uh, you know, Conan was on in '96. He was uh, that his oh, yeah. original show on uh, the oh, Late Show on NBC, stuff. and uh, I happened to catch a band I'd never seen before on there, uh, the Reverend Horton Heat. And I was so blown away because, you know, the, uh, three piece dude's playing a stand up bass and and the lead singer all of a sudden in the middle of the song, like ju- like the the uh, the bass player kind of leans it to the side while he's still oh, playing. Yes. And, yeah. and, and the lead singer jumps up on the side of it and is rocking from like on top of his, his stand up bass uh, singing uh, uh, a, a song from their album that they had just released called It's Martini Time. And, uh, so it's kind of like, it's, it's rockabilly. It's, it's, it's updated rockabilly. It's kind of, it's, it's, the lyrics are pretty tongue in cheek, uh, and a lot of innuendo, obvious innuendo. And, uh, but it was just an energy that blew me away. And so I, I had to go out and get it's martini time. And that stayed in my CD player for like a lot of my, uh, junior and senior year. So it had some longevity. And, uh, but between that, um, obviously Pearl Jam's no code. Uh, was uh, my my all time favorite Pearl Jam album, and uh, uh, Bex Odele. Uh, Bex Odele is probably, uh, I think, one of the most important albums of nineteen of the nineteen nineties, and uh, that that thing had some legs. You know, th- those videos were all over MTV, oh, yeah. and as we said, MTV too. And yeah, where it's at, I think, was the first video on MTV. Y- yeah, MTV yeah, right. And you know, this was. Uh, to watch him perform in, 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 on award shows in 96 and 97, you know, for him to be doing what he was doing, you know, these, these kind of, uh, these dance moves and, and, yeah. you know, he's putting on this, uh, this show almost, but at the same time, it's really rootsy. And it's just like, whoa, I, you know, I didn't know what to think uh, because it was, it was unlike a lot of uh, yeah. what I was digesting at the time between Pearl Jam and, and, the, and the Black Crows. Yeah, not that Mellow Gold wasn't awesome, um, but he he grew a lot, you know, between between that record. Oh, and, for sure. And, yeah, and, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of similarities, but it's, yeah, yeah. Odalay uh, is a bit more focused and refined in like really important ways. It's a much bigger sound too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, and another one of my uh, all-time favorite albums, Neil Young's uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horses, uh, Broken Arrow, uh, came out uh, in '96, uh, and it, it, with uh, Big Time, it, it opens with Big Time, which is a single off of that. The that that song was like such an instant classic that the Crows were covering it. The Black Crows were covering like that, that song year. that year on yeah. tour, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Uh, that that mm-hmm. that hasn't really happened with bands since like the '60s, you know, when they would just cover each yeah. other's stuff, like when Hendrix would would do Watchtower stuff like that. So, um, oh, yeah. uh, so what Neil was doing then uh, was was pretty right on. That's one of my favorite Crazy Horse albums, yeah. and uh, there was so much to chew on there coming out in '96. Yeah, yeah. You you uh, you run a pretty good gamut there. Um, I, I wish I could offer more. I I will say. To Levi's point about Load um, by Metallica, I haven't listened to it in a while. Um, you know, it was uh, – I know they all got – it's kind of funny. I know they all got a lot of flack for cutting their hair all at the same time, which they basically yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone who's always liked – well, liked or appreciated old school Metallica, um, I guess that uh, – you know, I don't fault them for, for moving in a new direction – it just at the time all seemed kind of contrived to me, you know, like they were like trying to sound like, like someone they weren't, you know what I mean? Like it, uh, well, and, and nothing it. will throw you off at that age than all these dudes cutting their hair. Sure. Right. I mean, that, <laughs> I, I thought the Don't videos, hate, I thought the videos were kind of pretentious they, too. They were you know? playing a show in Minneapolis. There happened to be like a locks for loves thing. They oh, just, okay. no, I, I, oh, all right. No, I don't know, but I, part whatever. Of me, they're allowed to, they're allowed I, to I completely I agree. Shit, I completely but... agree with the, it seemed like a, a a predetermined action to try and separate yeah. themselves from past images. Yeah, predetermined's a good word to use for it. Yeah, um, yeah, and and you know what, Levi? I, in all fairness to the music, like I, I'm not going to comment on it much because I just haven't listened to those songs in so King long. Nothing, King Nothing's a really good tune, man. Yeah. And I'd have Hero, to hear them again. I think Hero of the Day stands up, man. I think Hero of the Day is one of their better songs. Yeah, e- even including some of all the older stuff, all the older thrash stuff. Which I like. Another listen. Yeah, check it out. So, uh, what were you? Did you? What were you into now that you weren't then, Gabe? Well, I, um, you know, kind of preparing for this episode is kind of how I, you know, was, um, yeah, thinking about 1996, and I discovered this album. I think I had heard a couple of the tunes on it before. Um, but I wasn't aware of the band um, called Olivia Trimmer Control, and the album's called Dusk at Cuba's Castle from 1996, and it's just really psychedelic. You know, I I believe they're British, um, and uh, it's just it's really good. It kind of falls into a little bit of that. Um, some other bands at the time actually that were kind of getting some buzz. They never really totally took off, and you could see them. I know. You could see them all profiled in the great documentary called Dig. Um, but, you know, the Dandy Warhols and um, and Brian Jonestown Massacre 
they've I, I think you can put i think they were they kind of ran in that circle i don't know if or, or or at least they were they were mentioned in the same breath as those bands they're from um, louisiana so kind of like, oh they're oh. from louisiana okay right not Go british figure. okay anyway i've never heard any of them speak so anyway <laughs> um but uh yeah you know it's it's really great i highly recommend it. all this it's yeah. really it's got a lot of tracks and they're all pretty short but it all kind of flows together though Okay. Um, so yeah, Dusk at Cubus Castle by Olivia Trimble Control. It's uh, it's definitely got this kind of, it's just a cool kind of jangly throwback psychedelic record. Ooh, we'll have to check really it out. Good. Yeah, and then um, you know, I'd never really heard this record. I mean, other than like maybe a like a, maybe like the single or two that were released off of it, but REM's New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Um, you know, I've always liked REM. I just at the time that album came out, I. I don't think I was really listening to them heavily. Yeah. So I gave it a revisit and it, it's really good. It, it, you know, like, I think it's, it's like 14 record. Yeah, like 14 tunes. It might be like, maybe like, you know, maybe they could have trimmed maybe two or three songs from it. Um, but uh, it's, I, I liked it. Um, it it's Honestly, good. I think the last record I heard of theirs was monster. <laughs> I was, that came out the year before. Yeah. yeah this is, this is the, the, the following year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I liked them at the time. Um, like I, I heard it and I, I didn't mind it, you know, cause I, I certainly did dig some hip hop and I, well, I still do, but you know, in the late nineties, it's kind of, you know, sort of the, some of the apex of, of, of hip hop, at least in the, in the nineties. Um, and, uh, the Fuji's, the score is oh yeah, huge, a phenomenal record. It was, it was huge. So like yeah. maybe because it was so popular, like I kind of disavowed it at the time. Yeah, and I heard, I, I heard and, it and this that, past week. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man! This is oh yeah, this and, album and is phenomenal. That 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 is it's like the litmus test. Yeah, if something is so big that it trickles down to a farm community in yeah. rural Illinois, yeah. you know what I mean? Like when it's, pop it's, cult, it's, it's, it's like it's pop culture goes down the whole entire Plinko and ends up in your town, you know it's big. Yeah. You know what I mean? I felt that way in my town at least. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's it deserves all the acclaim that it got. It's, oh, yeah. it's a great record. Um and uh the last one, um this is uh gosh, I don't know how I stumbled across this one. Maybe just listen to some other instrumental stuff. Uh DJ Shadow. Okay. Kind of like a sort of a well-known house producer, yeah. veteran house guy. His first album came out in 96. It's called Introducing, like E-N-D, Traducing. Um, and it's all instrumental, and it's actually the first album that's all samples. Huh. Um, and it's really good. It's it's all instrumental. He he makes basically like instrumental hip hop, you know. And um, it's it, I, I highly recommend it. Um, hmm. It's uh, it's good study music too, you know. Um, not that's not to, you know, um, uh, downplay its strengths or anything. It's, it just it's, gets you in uh, the zone. Yeah, it can get you in the zone definitely. So yeah, DJ Shadows introducing. Um, uh, yeah, so 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 check check out those. Yeah, yeah, right on. Speaking of getting getting in the zone, Levi, I'll, I'll go ahead and take over here because um, yeah. uh, I discovered a Stereo Lab uh, yeah. over the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. and I wondered where they had been all my life. And the Emperor Tomato Ketchup came out in '96, and uh, that's something that that really really helps me helps me code and and uh, definitely got me in the zone. I've I've listened to that album uh, probably half a dozen times over the last couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's working. Um, 
But yeah. one of my uh, uh, one of my favorite, probably like my top twenty albums of the '90s now, since I discovered it uh, about five or six years ago, is the Cowboy Junkies. Lay it down. Uh, the, Lay it down has guitar tones that are probably some of the most remarkably recorded guitar tones that uh, that I've ever heard, and uh, uh, the songwriting is phenomenal. The vocals are phenomenal. Uh, and uh, it just all around, it's it's an album that I never grow tired of. It's you know it's a pretty mellow mellow album, but but the guitars on there are just uh, unbelievable. Cool. Uh, and then uh, speaking of mellow, Bell and Sebastian put out a couple albums in the in '96. If you're feeling sinister and Tiger Milk, and both of those are pretty spot on with with uh, what uh, you hope. You know, th- those are kind of really set the tone for Bell and Sebastian's career. Um, okay. though they've switched it up a bit since then it got a bit dancier which is good as well but but uh, those two albums in 96 are are uh, uh, pretty timeless um, and actually um, the Cardigans first band on the moon uh, Cardigans oh, kind of yeah. like a almost a guilty pleasure of mine I don't know why but uh, you know they're a little bit popular I, and, no, yeah I agree like I feel the same way sometimes when yeah. I listen to them I, yeah. I'll listen to Love Fool and be like oh Dude, Love I Fool? should not I should not be liking this as much as I. Am. I know, man. Whenever it's on, I'm hey, like, good man, is good, man. Whenever, whenever yeah. I hear "Loveful," I'm like, man, oh, this yeah. is like the best song in the world. It's like a, me and well, like all of these 15 year old girls yeah. think this at the same time. It's just, it's a well crafted <laughs> pop tune, man. It is, it, it is. is, but but it, that's a good band. Um, there's uh, they write some killer songs, and and that's not even their best album, in my opinion. So, um, uh, highly recommend the Cardigans' yeah. first band on the moon. But anyway, Levi, um, your your now stuff. Well, um, I got a few. Uh, One of them was I got into them a few years later, and that was Jamiroquai's "Traveling Without Moving" came out that year in '96. That video, and and everybody, everybody obviously saw the video, you know, uh, for "Virtual Insanity." But um, I, I got into some of their other records as well as that one about three years later when a friend gave me gave me their like those three records and um another band was zach wilde he came out with book of shadows in 96 and i probably didn't end up owning it until about 99 probably 2000 this is acoustic record right yeah and he actually just dropped book of shadows too just like two weeks ago or something so it was his first solo record uh according to wikipedia technically yes yeah because pride and glory was still a band right yeah yeah, um, it's a great record. Book of the first book I haven't. I've only heard one song off Book of Shadows two, and it was really good. But all of Book of Shadows one is excellent. I highly recommend it to anyone. If you, it, he spans the gamut. He does like almost like some power ballads to like southern rocky tunes, to um, to to everything in between. He plays piano. He sings. He plays all the guitars. It's just a great record. Well, there's a tune on there that's written about Shannon Hoon. Yeah, yeah. Throwing yeah. it all away. Huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... What? Hold oh, on, hold on. The... I'm, so, I'm sorry. I got one more uh, nugget there. Shannon Hoon and Zach Wilde lived together at one For point. For a little while. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I had read that on the Wikipedia, but, like, kind of forgot about it. That needs to be, like, a documentary. No kidding. Like, yeah. we need to know, like, what Shannon Hoon and Zach Wilde were doing. And I'm yeah. sure they could turn it into, like, a 45-minute documentary. Wow. Something. I wonder, wonder, 
wonder if Axel ever swung by, you know? I mean, right? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, one of the other albums I got into later that was out in 96 that came out then was Outcast Aliens. A-T-L-I-E-N-S. And uh, it was their first record where they like kind of broke away from kind of like the hardcore Southern rap thing and created, they kind of took some, maybe some P flunk influences and had like kind of a spacey sound and they just got weirder. They they did. And it's, (laughs) it's like the start of them getting weird and it's awesome. Yeah. So I highly recommend that record. Um, it for, I got included an ambient electronic record being Scape did. There was a band who was at Bonnaroo in 2007, and I was there with a friend of mine, and we were VIP, and we were walking along the side of a stage, like during like this corded off area, and there was a band rehearsing, and I heard them, and I was like, I wonder, I wonder, like, because, and I say they were rehearsing, it was like electronics equipment, but it it was Sasha and Digweed, mm-hmm. and uh, in '96 they came out with a record called Northern Exposure. That I've gone back and listened to now, and it's it's good if you're into if you like that ambient, chill, electronic music. Um, parts of it kind of sound like X Files, like it could have been on the show X Files. <laughs> cool. Um, I can dig that. And then the last one I put on kind of is uh, maybe playing a little bit of Devil's Advocate. Like I could be opening the the hate mail gates right now, but I'm going to say one that I can say that I, I somewhat appreciate now that I would never say I would then, and that's Dave Matthews Band Crash. Sure. And Go I, I, on. I, I have a very big, like everybody that I was against philosophically, <laughs> theoretically, in 1996 loved that record. I, and I, I own the not, record, yes. I couldn't get into it. And so... I had a friend who I was in a band with later. Shout out to Joe Fru. Um, he he played Dave Matthews Band songs. He would cover them, and so I got to hear someone else play the songs, and it made me appreciate the music differently. I mean, you know, Dave Matthews' voice is not for everyone. I get that, and the thing you have to kind of look at is he was almost like the Phil Collins of the <laughs> mid to late nineties. Like he was so out there that it made me not like him. You know what it's I mean? Like, like he was so ubiquitous. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. it was right. like uh, every, every white hat college kid and their girlfriend were going to the Dave Matthews band yeah. shows. You know or the I mean? Abercrombie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cool so water. it was just like, I, 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 it was everything I was completely against at that time. Right. But I can listen to the music on that record now and really appreciate the playing and the musicianship of it. Yeah. You know, what I always thought about him was it's like, you know, sometimes when you get popular, you can't really choose your followers. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think he may even said something like that once or twice. (laughs) He seems like a cool guy. You know, I mean, like I I like it's kind of like I, uh, you know, yeah, he he seems like a, a good dude. You know, I mean, I I. I like him as a dude. I just never really got into his music. So. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah it's, it, right. it's tough when you, like, when it's associated with something that you're, you were sure. so against. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good good choices all around, guys. So, uh, you know uh, what I, 
go on go back ahead. and listen to Crash, Gabe. Put that on. VP. I will. I will. I will. I'll, I'll, you, know what? you know what? I will. I'm at a point where I'll I'll give anything a shot. Well, no, yeah. So I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give no, it. A, I'll give it. I promise you, you, I will give it a skip over the, You could skip over the song Crash. I'm not going to make you listen to that <laughs> one, but just listen to the rest of the record. There's some good stuff on there. There's some funky nice. stuff on there. Yeah. Well, well you know, guys, and I. And I you know, we, we talked about music first tonight, and I kind of just jumped to it, um, um, not really by design. But anyway, with, with jumping back to baseball for a minute that year, one thing that stood out to me, you know, we talked in the intro about, you know, the Yankees sort of um, starting their reign, you know, that lasted about yeah. six seasons or so. Um, I was looking at the playoff teams from that year, um, because you had the wild cards that year that only that system had only been around for a year. Mm-hmm. And I was looking and there were a lot of players, 1996, there were a lot of players that were like famous players or well-known players from our childhood that were kind of playing during the waning stages of their career yeah. on a lot of those playoff teams. And those weren't the teams that like where they became famous. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, for instance, Eddie Murphy was, or I'm sorry, Eddie Murphy. I wish he was playing. <laughs> what? Um, right. <laughs> you guys missed that one? Um, anyway, Eddie Murray was on the Indians, which, like, I, right. I, 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 remember. I remember that. Yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? Not that vividly, though. Yeah. I don't remember it. You know, I mean, I always think of him as an Oriole. And he was like, well, 41. what's funny? The Orioles were in the playoffs, too, that year. They were. The Orioles had a really good squad that year. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Will Clark was on the Rangers that year. Yeah, which seems strange. Yeah, that yeah, is strange. Which, which I ver- I barely remember it though. I, I I mean, I have a faint memory of it. Was Matt Williams on them as well at that time? Maybe. Probably. I can. Yeah. On on who I the can... Rangers? Yeah. yeah. I'll check. Maybe. Yeah. The because uh, I mean, at one time they were both on the Giants, right? And then they were both they on were. the yeah. Rangers. I think you're right. Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. No, I don't he see it on the. Um, yeah. He may not have been. Yeah. Um, well, another guy on the Rangers that you know from our youth, Mickey Tettleton was on the Rangers. Thirty-five-year-old oh, yeah. <laughs> veteran catcher. Um, and then also uh, there's a couple more. Um, well, you know, we knew this because I mean, like, he, since he since he pitched in the World Series, um, Oral Hershiser though was on the Indians. You know, that was like near the end of his career. Oh, when he pitched um, in the World Series in 97? 97, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah 97. So, and then I think 95 as well, because wasn't it Cleveland and the um, the Braves in 95, I think? Was it? I think so. I mean, those, those years, like mid-90s to late-90s, before the Yankees really took over, Cleveland was the team to be in the American League. Yeah, man, they came you know? close. I mean, they came. Yeah, they were. I was thinking of the, them as well. Like they, they had a really good squad for like about like four or five seasons. Oh, yeah, they're they're the just, buffalo. They're yeah, the buffalo just not enough to pull it off. I, I was looking, guys, at their the heart of their order in '96. The the Indians, they had. Um, you know, he was only like in like his second or third year in the season. They had Tommy, Manny Ramirez, and Albert Bell as the heart of their order. And just, like, look at the numbers from all three of those guys. Well, and year. wasn't, like, Kenny Lofton on that team, too? Kenny Lofton was on the yeah. team. Omar Vizquel. Yeah, they had, a, uh, they, were, they had a studly team, man. Yeah, they did. Um, uh, Kevin Seitzer, Central Illinois native, was on the, the tribe that year. Yeah. He's kind of a bench guy, but he was That's, there. Yeah, I don't I don't remember him being on the on the. Yeah, on the I Indians didn't either. That's cool. 
Uh, Jack McDowell was on the Indians. He was in their their rotation, um, which I, I vaguely remember that one. But you know, most people think of him as the White Sox or the Yankees. Um, and then also speaking of the Yankees, um, you know, that was kind of the year where um, kind of Strawberry kind of resurrected. Strawberry and Gooden were on and the Yankees. Gooden, and year. Gooden, and then so and weird. then the next year, I think Gooden was on Cleveland, right? Oh wow! Maybe? I don't know. He was on. He played for the Indians. Wow, I didn't. I didn't remember that. He did because I, I, I want to say like that next year when they played the Marlins, either the next year or the year before. Huh. He was he was on the Indians in ninety eight and ninety nine. Okay, later. Okay, all right. Two years later. Yeah, and then also one one last one. He wasn't you know really in the waning stages of his career. I think his career hadn't even entirely taken off yet. But Jeff Kent was on the Indians that year too in ninety six. Oh, wow. You know. Yeah, I, I will give you. I, I, I will give you $100 if you can tell me the last three teams Dwight Gooden pitched for. What? Like we And we haven't mentioned any of them yet? We, no, we've mentioned one of them. He went back to one of them. The Yankees? Yankees the Yankee, he ended, before that, the, the Houston Astros in 2000 and the Tampa what? Bay Devil Rays in 2000. No, I would have never guessed this. <laughs> wow. Crazy. Yeah. I think... You Journey know, I think when we were we were talking about players, you know, older players in a previous episode, I want to say I came across that. Like I like Google imaged him and like for some yeah. reason, like you scrolled down, he came up with him in an Astros uniform. I was like, what? He pitched for all three of those teams in 2000. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just one start with Houston. Okay. But all anyway, right. so Tampa, I, I have no recollection of him playing for right? Tampa at all. Well, yeah, at, that, at that point, Tampa was like, you know, the, the Yankees farm system. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Other things from that year, you know, obviously the Yankees um, playing so well. But I, I I didn't remember how good Mariano Duncan was that year. Uh, or I, I couldn't recall until I looked at the numbers. He hit like 340 that year. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which, God, you know, and then like what, like A-Rod. Well, A-Rod was on the Mariners at the time. But, uh, you know, A-Rod hit, like, 358. You know, there was just some, like, just like we mentioned in the intro, just, like, monster batting average. I mean, you got 50 guys hitting over 300. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was 47 total. For the, for the intro, I just rounded it up to 50. Damn. Um, uh, but just, I mean, it, the... Uh, like, I, I think Al Martin was a guy who had... who was batting <laughs> above th- uh, 300. Um uh, of course, Dante Bichette. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Seitz. Yeah, Seitzer was in there. Um, Ellis Ellis Burks had a big year for the Rockies that year. I remember uh, him kind of having a late yeah. career surge yeah. in Colorado. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do recall that. Yeah, a guy yeah. named Bobby Higginson hit three twenty for the Tigers. I remember him. Yeah, I. I I, I remember him. Yeah, Bernard Gilkey, three seventeen. Hal Morris went ahead and hit three thirteen. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Damn, well, Marty but, Cordova hit three hundred nine. Yeah, yeah. And so, part of it's like, was it all steroids? I mean, really? I think they were or also like, that was also the new ball that they were. It was a tighter ball as well. Mm. If you've ever heard that. that Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that the ball can make that much difference. But it does. Yeah, they tighten it up. I think here in in 
in Denver, I think they keep the balls in like a humidor. Room right. Or something. Yeah. yeah, and that's a whole nother yeah. thing. But that's why they call it the dead ball era, you know, before what, like 1930 or something is the dead ball era. Because yeah. yeah. it was just like a bag of flour then. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. um that's crazy, but uh, but it, it, it's remarkable though that that year was the first time somebody hit the cliche walk off grand yeah. slam, which is you know as you're a kid in, in yeah, your backyard, every, every and backyard. it's it's uh, yeah. the bottom of the ninth, down three runs with the bases loaded. It's a three two count, and you hit a walk off grand slam to win the game. And yeah. Chris Hoyles al- was the first stars aligned for Chris Hoyles. Yeah, yeah. Ever, it's the only time it's ever happened. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing remarkable. that they 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 can trace it as it's the only time it's happened. That's yeah. insane. God, God bless Stats Inc. I'm sure that they figured that yeah. out for us all. Uh, but yeah, yeah, major shout out to Chris Hoyles for uh, uh, accomplishing that. I mean, at the time, you probably don't even. He probably didn't even know it. Well, and and if you watch the clip on YouTube, they don't mention it at all. They're just like, You're ah, right. Chris Hoyles, Chris yeah, Hoyles, yeah, off. exactly. Uh, yeah, they they don't think about the context of it really at all. Yeah. It was a regular season game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, I know he was on Baltimore. Yep. Um, yeah. Right. He had a couple good years. I went back and looked at his stats. Um, well, another guy that from that year, um, very, you know, his. He, most Cy Young winners, aside from a handful of them, you know, you, you think of them going on to lead, you know, sort of Hall of Fame or near Hall of Fame careers. Pat Hinchin, Hinkin, that Oh, Pat Hinkin, yeah. 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 You know, who who did have some good seasons, you know, but he won 20 games that year and got the Cy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, like, Kansas, three, who, who was it? Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. It was on Toronto. Yeah. yeah. And they were like they weren't very good, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he was, yeah, he was yeah. on. It was a non-playoff team, so um, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. hey, twenty games is winning. Twenty games is winning. Twenty games. He yeah. still won the Cy Young. Yeah, I yeah, mean, right. He, yeah, he pitched two hundred and sixty-five innings that year. That's a lot. That's a workload, yeah, that's man. A, that's that a is. workhorse, man. Two sixties. Ten yeah, complete he led games. League, he led wow. the league in innings two years in a row. He led the league the following the following mm-hmm. year. He had like over two sixty as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he was a workhorse, man. And then in 93, like he won like 19 games. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he had a good, he was, yeah, Hinkin was tearing it up in the mid 90s. He had a good run there, but it got offset by some rough latter part of his career where he ended up with a 4.32 career ERA, which isn't great. But again, it was the steroid era. So that is. I mean, after pitching all those innings, his arm basically melted off, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Played until '04, which it's like wow, wow. yeah, yeah, so. yeah, um, yeah. Pitching ten complete games, nine complete games, two years in a row. Yeah, that doesn't really happen anymore. No, um, no. unless you're like Clayton Kershaw, right? Well, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a kind of a, a mixed blessing that era. You know, it was fun to watch all the home runs, and now it just. Um, once, once the the layers have been peeled back and, and the Mitchell reports have been released, it uh, it probably clouds it a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, especially yeah, when you know that you know McGuire was going to what Sosa was coming up to do, what he was going to do here in a couple of years in '98 with that big home run race. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I didn't realize that um, Mel Allen, who passed away in '96, that he was doing this week in baseball up until he died. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you guys watch yeah. this week in baseball? Yeah, I, all, I, I, all, I saw it. 
Yeah. I didn't catch it every week, but I was I was a pretty frequent watcher of it for Saturday sure. mornings. Pre-internet, it was one of the only ways to get like another view besides ESPN. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like local sports coverage hardly gave any time to baseball. Really, yeah, you wouldn't get all the other teams. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, like other than you know the Cubs and the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it was. You're right. It was um, it was unique in that. The, the pre-internet era um yeah it was kind of like watching um yeah it was it was a highlight reel for the week you know yeah but it, at the same yeah. time they would you know they would focus a lot on really unusual stuff that might happen yeah yeah and, it was kind of quirky you know yeah and, um, yeah, yeah it had some quirks um, which quirkiness. you know came out in the naked gun because he is one of the uh he, he's the play-by-play guy in the naked gun right. when they're doing that highlight reel where like the tiger mauls the guy and, and, uh, <laughs> how about that and, <laughs> and uh but he was he was the voice of the Yankees for uh, uh a long time long long time yeah um you know, 40s 50s and 60s yeah. um but yeah there's a great 20 year anniversary this week in baseball video on YouTube that I I got totally sucked into it just started watching like this weird random shit that would happen yeah. uh uh one uh one was a guy who who went into the stands to catch a foul ball off the third base line, and he kind of jumped up, and he and he caught it, but somebody else was holding a ball in the stands, and it in in all of the hubbub, it, it fell and it fell into his open hand. So he had the he had a ball caught in his glove, but then all oh. of a sudden this ball like drops out of his open hand, but it's this ball from the stands, and he thinks he dropped the ball, but in fact it's <laughs> in his glove. It's the weirdest shit you've ever seen. Wow. So this week in baseball is perfect for stuff like that on YouTube. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. There always yeah. needs to be an outlet or a show for that. I, it th- to me that's what helps draw in younger fans to the game too. You know what I mean? Sport sports yeah. bloopers was one of my first introductions to professional sports. I had like three VHS. Sports <laughs> yes, yes, everybody did. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yep. I had NFL. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of guys running into each other and like you know getting hit in the nuts with balls. But uh, <laughs> yeah. hit the nuts with balls. Wow, how meta. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so good stuff. Well, this week in baseball, and this has been another week with rock and roll Shinsu Chu guys. How about uh, that? It was fun. How about that. So anyway, I want to remind everybody. Um, Please rate us on iTunes uh, or whatever podcasting service. Just subscribe. Just go or subscribe. subscribe. Just don't subscribe. E- don't, yeah. even, don't even worry it's about rating us. Just subscribe. It's free. Yes. free subscription. Yes. So um, we will keep giving you what you like, but tell us what you like. Um, and also follow us on Instagram uh, and Twitter at Rock in Chew. That's in as in um uh, ooh, I didn't think of one. Phil uh, Necro. He played Nephi Necro. Perez. Yeah, yeah. Um I think yeah, Nephi Perez so, was still playing, yeah. Nephi Perez, okay, ninety six? Yeah, he might, yeah. yeah, all right. Anyway, so rock it, at rock in chew. Uh like us on Facebook and you can also find everything. Uh all the archived episodes as well as a bunch of cool references and other things we've discussed on the show at rockchew.com. Rockchew.com. Until next time, we'll see everybody again real soon. Take care. Peace. Peace.